Well, let's get started. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, actually I'll pray and then I'm going to read a scripture to you here and then I'll jump into our teaching for today. Um, or actually, while, while I'm thinking about it, while you're there, I'm actually not going to Romans today. And I will mention all this again because I do the recording, so I will mention this again. But we're going to be in First in John, toward the back of your Bibles. We're going to be in First John chapter 1 today. I'm throwing you all a little curveball going off of Romans. But uh, I just wanted to read because this scripture has been on my heart. Um, and I think it's important that we understand this about the Word of God as we study the Word of God. And if you want, I'm right now I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse, I'm just going to read starting in verse 16. Um, if you want to follow along with me here, otherwise you can just listen. But, but yeah, I'll go to 1 John when I'm done here. But it says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, this has been on my heart this week to mention this before I get into the teaching. And really, this is something that we could really start every week's teaching, meditating on this scripture that I'm reading here. Because it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's important that as we study the Word of God, as we read the Bible, that we understand that fact, that this scripture is not just from the mind of men or women or whatever. It's just not made up stuff. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, so who was inspired to write? Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these men were inspired to write what they wrote. Paul, Peter, James, John, they all were inspired by God to write what they write. And it says so all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So as we gather like this to study the word of God, it's my heart that everyone would understand that there, there's a, a deep purpose for what we do when we look at the word of God, when we study the word of God, because the Word of God can be profitable to us. In other words, it can profit us. It can benefit, benefit us in these areas. One would be doctrine. Now, the Bible talks a lot about sound doctrine. Um, there's all kind of doctrines in the world, you know, anything from political doctrines to, you know, you know, I don't know, I can't even think of it all, but there's all kind of doctrines in the world out there, right? Well, doctrine just means a, a firm, sound teaching, okay? Well, the Word of God gives us that from a spiritual standpoint. So it's profitable for doctrine. Um, it's profitable for reproof, for correction. Those, th those things kind of go hand in hand there, um, reproving us. Um, in other words, changing the way we think you know, about a certain thing and saying, well, I've always thought this way. Well, I believe that this, or I believe that. And it's easy as we go through life for all of us to get set in certain ways, certain mentalities. It could be something that our parents said that, you know, just stuck in our head. It got ingrained within us. And as much as we love our parents, they could be dead wrong about what they thought or what they believed, right? So sometimes we get reproved by the Word of God or corrected, right? So it's profitable for reproof and for correction. And it says for instruction in righteousness. Now, instruction in righteousness just simply means being instructed in living the right way in righteousness. I mean, sometimes we, we make such a big deal out of the word righteousness. We look at it as a big, holy, religious word, and, but it really should be a part of our everyday lives that we desire to live righteously, doing what's right in the sight of God, obeying the word of God, living in, keeping the commandments of the word of God. So the scripture is what I'm pointing out here is this is what the scripture does. This is why we study it. And it goes on there to say that, or so that, right, the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's why we have the Word of God, so that we can be complete, 
that we can be thoroughly equipped to do good works. Because as we read the Bible, this is the point of the scripture, is that we would walk in obedience to what the Word says, doing what the Word says, living how the Lord wants us to live. And we get all of that from the scripture. That's why we gather and study the scripture rather than just gathering just to have conversation, you know, or play games or do this or do that, right? We gather around the scripture like this so that we can become thoroughly equipped for every good work. And sometimes the word of God reproves us and sometimes it, it smacks us back, you know, and says, wow, I didn't, I've, been, I've been living wrong. I've been thinking wrong. I've been doing wrong, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize it until I saw this here in the Word of God that I need to change. So all of us have that. All of us have the need to repent of certain things as we go, as we grow in the Lord. And it's a constant repentance sometimes. It's just just like, especially when you first come to Christ and you first open your eyes to the Word of God, it feels like such a barrage of, wow, I need to change. Wow, I need to change. Wow, I need to change, right? But even after you've been walking with the Lord 30 years like I have, I still find, wow, I need to change. Wow, I need to change. So the Word of God is what is doing that in our lives and doing that for us. So that's why we do what we do and we study how we do. So let's pray and then we'll take a look at our scriptures for today. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, and your grace. But God, thank you for your word that, well, smacks us down sometimes, God, straightens us out, Lord, because that is your desire, that we would be thoroughly equipped, that we would be complete, that we would be lacking nothing, God, that that you, you provide for us all that we need for righteousness, for holiness, for godliness. It's all provided right here in your word, God. So as we study your word again today, We pray, God, that you would speak, that you would do the work within our hearts and minds that only you can do, God. My words will fall miserably short of of having any power, God, but your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and, and, and just cuts deep within us. So we honor you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for your presence here amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I'm going to have... So I'll take a look at the New Testament book of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and please open up there. 1 John, and we're going to go ahead and look at chapter 1. Now, this letter, 1 John, was written by John the Apostle. And of course, we know from the scriptures that all the men that wrote the books of the Bible did so led by the Holy Spirit of God or by inspiration of God, right? The Apostle John had a very deep and a very close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when the Lord Jesus Christ walked this earth. John, as one of his apostles, had a very deep and very close relationship with him. In another writing of John, the Gospel of John, he describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. John is also the one who leaned with his head on the Lord's chest at the Last Supper. John had that, like I said, that very deep and personal understanding of the love of the Lord, and the, and the Holy Spirit used John to portray to you and I, who study through the Bible today, he, the Holy Spirit uses John to display to us what the love of God really is. What does it mean to love God and how we should live? These letters that we're looking at here this morning um, were, were sent out to various churches that gathered back in John's day. And the letter had the intent of confirming them or exhorting them to remain steadfastly obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we read these verses this morning, keep in mind that we are being exhorted to live out in our daily lives the love of God. 
and, and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a great letter to encourage you to stay in Christ, to love the body of Christ, and to love those outside of the body of Christ, and to walk a straight path into our eternal home of heaven, okay? The first chapter is a very short chapter here. But let's go ahead and and jump right on in to verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. Now, right at the start here, in verse 1, John is, of course, speaking here of Jesus Christ. He's saying that they heard him speak. They saw him with their eyes. They touched him with their hands. And they knew him personally, right? And they knew him intimately. And this same man, the Apostle John, had also written something very similar to what he is saying here in what we know of as the Gospel of John, as I mentioned earlier. You see, verse 1 here ends with referring to Jesus as the Word of Life. Do you see that there? He's speaking about Jesus. He refers to Him as the Word of Life. And verse 1 begins begins here by referring to the Word of Life, Jesus, as that which was from the beginning. So do you see what I'm pointing out here? That which was from the beginning, the word of life, right? John's pointing out this is Jesus, okay? The word of life. He was from the very beginning. And I'll expound on this more as we go, but just keep in mind here that the word of life was there in the very beginning of our time as we know it today, right? Now, I say that John wrote something very similar because if you would just go ahead now and mark this page and turn toward, um, I want you to find John chapter 1, so toward the front of the New Testament, staying in the New Testament, find John chapter 1. So remember what we said. Now, John referred to Jesus as the word of life, and he referred to him as being that which was from the beginning. He says, that which was from the beginning, we touched him, we talked to him, we seen him, everything. Okay? He's the word of life. So now, in the Gospel of John, okay, chapter 1, and verse 1, it says, in the beginning was what? The word. That's who John's talking about, the word of life, okay? Remember, the word is Jesus, and you'll see this as we go on, okay? But this is what I'm pointing out to you here this morning, the John that the Apostle John was talking about in 1 John, right? Then verse 1 continues here, And the word was with God, and the word was God. So, God himself here, is referred to in the scriptures as being the Word. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, right? You can go back and you can read the Genesis account, right, of creation and clearly see that how was everything created in the beginning? It says, and God said, let there be light. And God said, right? And God said, and God said. It was the Word that spoke everything into being. So John is referring to God here as the Word. It says in verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. Notice it says He. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So you see, the Word of life that John speaks of in 1 John was there at the start of creation, and he made all things. Now stay with me here this morning because we're, we're going to be learning some very important things here. Then verse 4, 
in the Gospel of John here says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So again, very important verse of Scripture here. You see, mankind has no light in them without the word of life, Jesus Christ being in them. Mankind walks today in internal spiritual darkness unless they have Jesus Christ, the word of life, dwelling within them. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they are then no longer filled with darkness. They are instead filled with light when they come to faith in Jesus. They don't continue in a life of darkness or sinful living, right? Jesus came to give us light, and Jesus is the light of life. And John goes on to say what I'm talking about here in verse 5. He says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, when Jesus came to the earth, now we can also go back to Genesis and look when God said, let there be light, and there was light, but that very word that spoke light into all of creation gives light to mankind as well through Jesus Christ. Internal light, light within us, the light of men, right? They did not comprehend Jesus when he came to the earth as the light of the world. His own received him not. His own people didn't receive him for who he really was. And many people today still don't comprehend it. Mankind walks in darkness without Jesus Christ within them. They walk in darkness without light. This includes anyone that has not been born again of the light and who has not come to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ. If we don't have Christ in us, we don't have that light. We don't have that truth. We're still stumbling through in darkness. In the Psalms, it says concerning the word, right? Thy word, David said, thy word, he said to God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So just like I read to you earlier that The Word of God is profitable for instruction, for correction, right, for reproof. The Word of God lights our feet. I remember when I first read that, you know, when I first came to Christ, when I read that scripture, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. For some reason, I had a picture right away in my head of, and it's kind of silly, but flashlights being strapped onto each one of my feet, you know, And I was walking in a dark place, but those flashlights were lighting my path. And that's what the Word of God does. So there's a light that God brings into our lives that opens our eyes and causes us to see things differently. Causes us to to see things in a righteous manner, in a holy manner, and to begin to live differently as a result, right? Right? But let's stay within what the scripture is saying here. And for the sake of time here, let's jump down to verse 14. What does this say now about the word that we're talking about, right? It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? The word of life that was there way back in the very beginning became, or if you will, took on human flesh, He became man. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that, of course, was Jesus Christ. He was there in the very beginning of all creation. And verse 14 there continues and says, And we, meaning mankind, not you and I, we weren't there during that time, but the apostle John wrote of him. They touched him. They seen him, right? And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, now I'm going to have you come back to the Gospel of John in just a little bit. But with all this in mind, let's go ahead and 
turn back to 1 John chapter 1. So God, the Spirit, the Word of life, took on human flesh, became a man. And John here in verse 1 says that they heard Him, they seen Him with their eyes, and they touched Him with their hands. The Creator was now on the earth with them. They knew Him in a very personal way. The God of all creation was now on the earth with mankind. And the Apostle John knew this, and he loved him, and he had a very close and, close and intimate relationship with him. John understood the love of God, and John is the one that writes most in the Bible about love and about the love of God. John understood this. He knew who Jesus was. He knew he was not just another man, not just an ordinary man. He knew he was God in the flesh. And we know too that we can have this same kind of relationship today with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And John goes on to say here in verse 2, so now I'm back in 1 John, right? Chapter 1, verse 2, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So John is really driving this point home here, isn't he? The life that John is speaking of here, this life is an eternal life. This, this eternal life of God was manifested on the earth, appeared, made an appearance on this earth. And John is now in this letter here attesting to this fact. And again, like I said earlier, this letter was sent out amongst the people that gathered the churches to, to exhort them, to confirm them, to, to make sure they stay rooted and grounded in the love of God, in this eternal life. Okay, He goes on in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So do you see the importance of this letter here? John is declaring all of this to us, his readers. Did John have any idea that people almost 2,000 years later would be reading this letter and being able to be impacted? No, but the Holy Spirit did. God did, because this word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's profitable for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction, right? And this Word of God is still alive today. And we have this Word of God. Why? So that we can have fellowship with God as they had fellowship with God, right? We have these writings in our Bible so we can personally, personally know God intimately know God and fall in love with God and love God more. You see, God didn't come into this world so that we could establish a whole bunch of religions, right? He came into this world so that we could be one in Him, so that we could all be one. Let me show you what I'm talking about here this morning. Go ahead and turn again back to the Gospel of John chapter 17, just where we were earlier. John, we were in chapter 1. Now we're going to go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Again, I'm pointing out something here. God didn't come, He didn't send His Son into the world to separate us, to divide people, to make religions that war and fight with one another and come up with all kinds of doctrines and different things. All of our doctrine, everything we need to know is in the Word of God. That's why I read that scripture to you before we got started here this morning, that the Word of God came by, the scripture came by inspiration of God. That's where we need to go for our doctrine, to the Bible, not to religion, not to man's ways, because you know, 
you've got all these different opinions and all these different things that go on in religion, but this is never what God intended. So in John chapter 17 here, down in verse 14, Jesus speaking says, he's praying here. This is a prayer of Jesus Christ. He's praying and he's saying, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So there's something that we see there. You know, today you can ride around and you can see cars with stickers on their back of their windows that says N-O-T-W, right? N-O-T-W in a fancy kind of way. And that stands for not of this world, okay? Um, But the disciples of Jesus, as he's praying for them, they, they were hated by people. They were hated by people for standing for righteousness, for standing for the word of God. And as disciples of Christ, we're not supposed to live like all the rest of the world lives around us. We're not supposed to to do what they do, to, to be what they are, right? We're to be different. We're to be not of this world. But Jesus was praying for his disciples here. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, Father God, right? But that you would just keep them and protect them, right? Sanctify them, he says in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now again, keep in mind that Jesus is praying for his disciples that walked around with him back in that day. But he's now about to pray for future disciples as well. Look at verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone. In other words, these guys that were following him around, that he was going to send out into the world with the gospel. And the gospel started with all this group, this small group of men that were around Jesus. The gospel started with them, and it still continues to be spread throughout this world. And he was praying for them, but now he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us, right? Jesus says here that in the future there would be a people that believe in him because of the word that would come from his disciples of that day. Today we have that word, right? We have the words of James. We have the words of John, Peter, Paul, Timothy, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? We have the words of these people. And we come to believe in Jesus through those words. This is why it's so important that we study the word of God as we do today. And we should not do it only here, right? We should do this on our personal time as well, studying the word of God. But listen, there's another purpose in Jesus's prayer here. And he says in verse 21 that they all may be one. So he's praying for all the people that would come to believe in him through the words that his apostles would preach and teach and send out. It would, it would be written down. We would have it. We would read it. And we're all supposed to be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So you see, there will be an impact that comes from believers that, be, that become one in Christ. And they'll impact the world around them. And, and it says that the world may believe. Why? What, what, what causes the world to believe? Well, the lives of believers in Jesus Christ. The lives of you and me should cause other people's, other people to believe and to come to, to Jesus, Right? So we have a Bible. You have your own Bible. Most homes have two or three Bibles in them. So we have the ability to read and and 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we should diligently do so. We should stick close to sound doctrine, like I talked about earlier, right? Because staying close to sound doctrine, not going into all these different religions and all these different philosophies, religion divides, Jesus Christ unites the Word of God, brings us together as one. Jesus was the Word made flesh, and He says um, back there in, in verse 14, He came to give us His Word. Right? We are to be obedient to and faithful to his, world, his word. You can't be faithful to his word, though, if you don't know his word. You can't know his word if you don't read his word or he listen to his, his word. Right? Our faith increases by the word. Right? Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, it's hearing the Word of God that's going to increase our faith. If we walk around hearing the words of all the different religions and all the different men and all the different philosophies and all the different women, we get confused. Well, I ignore all that, and I just stay focused on the Word of God, the Bible. Okay, We're to just stay focused on that because that's all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, for doctrine, right? All of these things are found right here in our Bibles. So we need to stay close to the Word of God. John, again, sends this letter out of 1 John, right? He sends this letter out to the churches to say, hey, stay close to Jesus. He's the Word. He's, he's the eternal life, okay? He, he was there in the beginning. All right, now... Before I, before I move you out of the Gospel of John here, let's uh, turn for a moment to chapter 14. So we're right here staying in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. So just a page or two back from where you are in chapter 17. Look for chapter 14. And looking down now at verse 8. Right, we see where a man named Philip, Philip here, he says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. He says, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Lord, okay, just show us the Father. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Remember what we're studying here this morning. Jesus is that word, the eternal word, the the eternal life that was there in the very beginning. But Philip, he's been walking around with Jesus for a while. And Philip will go on to be a great man in the Lord and, and spread the gospel in many ways. But he says, show us the Father. And Jesus said, I've been with you all this time. And how can you say, show us the Father? He's saying, you're looking at the Father, Philip. You see, the disciples of Jesus had fellowship with God and the Father in the flesh, in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And today, we can have fellowship with God through His Spirit and through His Word dwelling within us. This living word, this eternal life is written down now in the pages of our Bible and we need to put it into us. And then when we do, we can't just be like I often say, forgetful hearers, just like we, oh yeah, I heard the word of God on Sunday morning, but now I go back to living the way I want to live or led by the flesh or the way everyone else around me is living. No, we have to be doers of the work. We have to be doers of what we hear, right? And what we see in the Word of God, okay? So turning back now to 1 John chapter 1, our scriptures for today, the Apostle John goes on to say in verse 4, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So again, God the Creator, the Spirit, the Word of life, dwelt amongst mankind. And John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing all of these facts to us. Why? So that our joy may be full. 
Okay? We can have joy in God. We, the fruit of the Spirit, right? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. These are all things that come from having Christ in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. These are all things that come from having Christ in us. He says in verse 5, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Okay, so John is quoting his source here. He is revealing to us where he's gotten this message from, directly from the Word of Life Himself, Jesus Christ. Jesus gave this message, and in this message he tells us that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So what does that mean to you and me today? Well, verse 6 continues and says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Wow, that's very intense, right? Very straightforward words here. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him. In other words, if one proclaims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? What people would call today a Christian. And they walk in darkness, so they keep on willfully choosing the the dark life of this world. Instead of being not of this world, they're of this world, right? And they keep choosing a life of sin. And it says, John says that we lie if we do that, and we do not practice the truth. This would be what would be known as a hypocrite. You say it, but you don't really live it. And if you say it, but you don't really live it, then the scripture is plain that you're really not of it at all. You are nothing more than a liar if you do not practice the truth like it says here. It becomes a daily habit for you. You practice it. Every day you do it. You, you, you desire to live and to grow and, and to become stronger in your faith and to walk in a deeper walk with the Lord doing what the Word of God says, right? Some people, the, the Bible says that there are people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Many people are in church this morning. Many people gather in churches, right? But they'll cut you off and flip you off on the freeway tomorrow, okay? Because they don't have the peace and the love of God. They're not living it on a daily basis. And that could be any one of us on any given day if we don't stay the course, if we don't keep ourselves focused on Jesus, staying in the love of God, right? Walking in the truth of the Word, allowing that that life, right? of Christ, that eternal life to dwell richly within us. But the Word of God makes it plain here that the person that doesn't practice this, it's a liar. They do not practice the truth, right? John is saying, hey, this is the real deal. He's saying in this letter, we've seen him, right? We've touched him. We've spoke with him. And now what we're doing is declaring him to you. So we have to be careful not to be hypocrites, don't we? Again, we don't take this as condemnation, but it's written here to convict us of how we really should be living. When, when I read this, I have to take it to heart my, myself. I have to question myself as to whether I am truly walking in the faith or not when I read the Word of God. And verse 7 here gives us a solution to being hypocrites. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's the key, right? We need to be walking in the light. This is how we avoid being hypocrites. This is how we avoid being what the scripture calls a liar. What we are to do is to walk in the light. Now, light and darkness from a scriptural standpoint are very clearly understood as righteousness and sin. You can take light and darkness and compare it with scripturally with righteousness and sin. Okay? 
Now, there's also a very clear distinction of someone that is led by the Spirit and someone that lives according to the flesh. And we talked a little bit about that the last time we gathered together, right? The person led by the Holy Spirit is that person that has been born again, has come to the light that is Jesus Christ, and they have been made new in Jesus Christ. They're, they're no longer what they used to be. They're no longer willfully choosing to walk in darkness, to walk in sin. Old things have passed away, the scripture says. If anyone's in Christ, it says old things have passed away and all things become new. They desire now, that person that comes to Christ desires now to seek first the kingdom of God, to make the kingdom of God a priority in their life. They're not chasing after the things of this world. And we we all learn and we all grow in this little by little as we go, right? We say, I'm dropping that. I don't need to hold on to that anymore. Laying aside the sin that so easily besets us, we just let it go. Right? We no longer lust for the things of this world because we realize that, that the things of this world are fading and they're temporal and they don't last. And all they do is steal from you the fruit of the Spirit. They steal from you your peace. They steal your joy. They steal your patience. Right? Instead, we have aggravation and we have all these other kind of things in our lives because we're going after the things of this world and we're lusting for the things of this world rather than for the things of God. Now, temptations still exist for us on a daily basis, but we must choose to yield ourselves to the light and not to darkness, to righteousness and not to sin. The true person of faith has the spirit of the living God dwelling within them. They have the word of life, that eternal life that is Jesus Christ dwelling within them. They have the written word, right, written down in the pages of our Bibles, and and then they choose to walk in obedience to those words, to that living word, right? We don't have to choose envy. We don't have to choose pride. We don't have to choose to live in the way of the world around us because we can live led by the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit within us. A born-again person is to be like Jesus, humble, meek, willing to yield, peaceable, gentle, obedient to the Father and His Holy Word. Jesus was the example of all of this to us, right? But it's pretty easy in this life to go the other way and to follow the crowd, and to fall into sin, and to do what everyone else around us is doing. It's easier to do this sometimes than it is to to be led by the Spirit, because to be led by the Spirit is to walk by faith. It's not in front of your face every day. The truth and righteousness is not right there in front of your face, so you've got to walk by faith in it. Instead, in front of our face every day is sin, and the wrong choices, and the wrong way to live. Faith is a different way to walk, and it's contrary to the rest of the world, and it therefore makes you not of the world because you're not walking like the rest of the world does. So we need to crucify our flesh on a daily basis. The Bible teaches us that that is the case, that that's how we have to live. We can be led by the Spirit. And we already have all that we need in order to walk in light rather than darkness, okay? We need to be people that know the Word of God, that take time to read and to study the Word of God, to digest it so that we understand how we should be living. And then when we do, we must willfully put it into practice in our lives. Walking in the light, having fellowship with God is a choice, just like walking in darkness is a choice. And the deeds of the flesh is a choice. How many times do parents tell their children, make the right choices, do the right thing, right, in this world? But yet, it's easy for people just to do the wrong thing, choose the wrong thing, right? So today we can choose light or choose darkness. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you'll have the same choice set before you, light or darkness. The day after that, the same choice, light or darkness. What are you going to do, right? And a very practical thing we can do is get up every morning and start our day with prayer. Start your day in the Word of God. 
just if it's 15 minutes in the Word of God and 15 minutes in prayer or 15 minutes combined, whatever it is, whatever, you got to make it a priority in your life, right? Spend time in the morning with God. Praise Him for who He is, for how He has redeemed us and all that He does. Thank Him for His mercy, which is new every morning. Confess your sin, right? And forgive those that have sinned against you. Pray that you will not be led into temptation. The prayer that Jesus told His disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That could be a template prayer. That's often a template prayer for me. I pray not just those words, but I use that as a template when I do pray, you know, and I, and, I, and I pray in that manner. The Word of God and prayer are very practical ways in which you find the strength that you need to walk in the light and to avoid the darkness. So we must be doers of, not just readers, not just hearers of the Word of God, but doers, okay? God Himself the creator of all became flesh in order that we may know him and have fellowship with him and have a deep personal relationship with him. So do you want that relationship with, with your creator? If so, then just make the choice to walk in the light. No one said it would be easy. We struggle with sin. Verse 8 says, if we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all struggle with sin. I say as long as we have skin, we'll struggle with sin, right? Because it's just the way of the world every day. You see, this is what I believe we must all come to grips with. I, for one, will never stand before you and act as if I have no struggle in this life, no temptation, no, no uh, you know, ability to stumble and fall. You see, if we were to narrow it down, sin consists of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And if we were to say that these things didn't exist, if I were to say these things didn't exist in my life, then I would be deceiving myself, and the truth wouldn't be within me. The same holds true for all of you as well. But we don't have to yield to that sin. We don't have to yield to it. If we do yield to it, we are then walking in darkness and not in light. The world around us is full of darkness. Sin is around every corner. Don't be deceived. Sin parades itself before you every single day. It's everywhere. It's in the television sitcoms. It's in the commercials. It's on the pages of your internet, right? Sin is at your job. It's on your radio. It's creeping at your door front. It's trying to get you to think a certain way, trying to get you to live a certain way, trying to, to mold and shape you to be like this world. Darkness is alive and well on this planet, and we're still walking in the midst of this darkness, but we must choose the light instead. We must make constant choices to turn from darkness to light, from sin to righteousness. And John goes on in verse 9 and 10 here and tells us another very practical thing that we must do. He says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in that same letter of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 6, he says, shall we continue in sin? We studied that recently. Shall we continue in sin, he says, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin, he says, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In other words, we're to die to this world, die to the sin, die to our lustful passions, our sinful desires. We're now to live a life that exemplifies that we are dead to sin. Yes, sin still exists. Temptation still exists. Darkness still prevails all around us, and it presents us with the opportunity to sin on a regular basis. But light has come into the world. This is what God's Word is communicating to us this morning. And we must turn our eyes upon that light. The Word of life has come. 
We can open our Bibles and learn all about Him. We can grow in the knowledge of Him. Jesus is the Word of life, God in the flesh, the one that has brought life into the world, that has brought light into the world and into our hearts. And we can choose light rather than darkness. Darkness. We can choose the truth rather than the lie. We can choose righteousness rather than sin. And the Apostle John, under the leading of the, of the Holy Spirit, is beginning here to declare to us in this letter this message that Jesus gave to him to declare that light is what we are to walk in, that Jesus is God in the flesh. We can know him, we can have fellowship with him, but we must choose to live in that light rather than in that darkness. And I encourage you today, if you can't do it today, do it this week. Read the rest of this writing by John here, 1 John and 2 John. Read, read the rest of this and spend some time meditating on it and ask yourself and consider, are you in the light or does darkness prevail? Are you yielding to the word of life, to the truth of scriptures, or are you yielding to the philosophies of this world and the ways of this world and the way everyone else is just choosing to live and walk? How are you living? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you uh, for your word, God. It's powerful. It cuts deep within us, God. It causes us to see truth and, and causes us maybe to see the, the, the lies that we have believed in this life. God, we live in a dark world where people have not come to the light. We are to be that light. We're to be salt and light in this, in this world, God. We're to shine as children of God. But yet, if we find ourselves tripping and stumbling and, and, and going in the wrong way ourselves, how can we shine? If we look like darkness, we can't shine as light. So God, by your Spirit, I pray that you would just continue your work within our hearts and minds. We are not here by mistake this morning. God, this is a divine appointment. You have brought us to this place together to, to read your word, to, to see clearly your truth. And God, I pray that it will convict us, God, that we will not walk out of here just forgetting what we've seen and heard, but God, that we would allow it to take root, that we would be rooted and grounded and built up upon your word, Lord. Have your way within us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.